when you did it to the least of these my brothers and sisters, members of my family, you did it to me. These are powerful words, and they're words that stay with me as I encounter people on the street every day. We have all been there, approached by someone on the street asking for assistance of one kind or another, and not a day goes by here at All Saints where we are not approached by someone off the streets asking for assistance, almost always money, and we have to decide what to do. We have to determine whether the story is true, if this is the proper use of our limited resources in this particular case, or will this person be back in a month with nothing really being changed? What do we do? Often, we err on the side of graciousness. And yet often, when we do this, there's still a sense of something being amiss because there's this underlying feeling that even though we've helped someone and addressed an immediate need, nothing is really changed. There's a sense of throwing money at a problem and doing it because we're supposed to do it, but left to wonder, how much have we really helped? Part of the problem is the issue of power, and that issue is not resolved often in, in immediate assistance. We who have the education, the mobility, and affluence often have power over those with limited education, limited mobility, and very few financial resources. So when we engage in some sort of assistance, we are sometimes making it even more clear who is an authority and who is not. And there are some in the assistance business who actually like this model. They like to set themselves up in authority as something of a savior over their fiefdom. They like that model. And what's more, there are others who realize they have no power. And when they recognize this, they engage in manipulation of those who have resources. And this is why so many people become guarded with their resources, because they're protecting themselves against manipulation. And this power manipulation game is a cycle that we all recognize, and sometimes it clouds our judgment. I once offered uh, to buy a woman on the streets a meal and we walked together to a local fast food restaurant, and I could tell the minute we got to the counter that our presence, in particular her presence, was not welcome. And as we were ordering food, I can feel that, you know, that stink eye, that nasty stare coming from somewhere behind me. I just knew it was there, and it was the security guard. And sure enough, when we were walking to the table to sit down and eat, the security guard waves me over and says, can I have a word with you? And he begins to lecture me. And he says, you know, I know you are called to do what you are called to do. I know we all need prayer, and Lord knows I need them. And I'm thinking, yeah, you do. <laughs> but he said to me, no, you are not doing her any good. She won't change. The minute you walk out of here, she's going to take that remaining food and sell them for drugs. 
you're not helping anyone. And, of course, my anger got up, and I wanted to address him. I didn't. But in retrospect, as I thought about it, he was doing his job, and he's not a bad person. But I imagine he's seen a lot of this manipulation game, this power manipulation cycle, and it clouded what he was seeing because I wasn't trying to change her. It was about sharing a meal with someone, getting to know someone, and being kind to someone who might experience ways of assistance every day. People might hand her money, but she probably doesn't experience a lot of kindness. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that we treat each other to dinner, sing kumbaya, and all the world will be well. Financial assistance, resources, are all important. Uh, they are very important to meet the very real needs that people have at times. And when we engage the world through the use of those resources and from the strength that we can wield, we can get things done. When Jesus talks of feeding the hungry, of giving drink to the thirsty, of clothing the naked, it's not a mere suggestion. And it fits well within the pattern established throughout the gospel according to Matthew, particularly the Beatitudes. However, when Jesus says, when you do these things, you do them to me, he wants us to see more than a need to slavishly follow some other command. Perhaps he wants us to see that God is in the world, in our midst, in each present moment, and that each of us possesses the spark of divinity, that each of us bears the image of God. Even when we look in the face of the vulnerable, the weak, the hungry, and even the drug addict, we are still looking into the reflection of God. Jesus calls us into relationship with one another, to recognize God in one another and to realize that in right relationship, one side is not greater than the other. Each person is capable of blessing the other with the love of God and in doing so can subvert this power structure, this power and manipulation cycle. Many people here are familiar with the Church of Common Ground, some are not. It is a ministry in our diocese that is uh, on the streets of downtown Atlanta. Their primary goal is to build relationships with people on the streets by being a presence on the streets every day and to also provide a, a worshiping community for those who are housed and those who are not housed, but a worshiping community on the street. It's, it's a relationship-based ministry. And one day, the vicar of Common Ground, Reverend Mary Wetzel, was walking on the streets, and she's walking down a sidewalk, and there's three young men approaching her. And she could not get out of their way because the three of them standing shoulder to shoulder took up the entire sidewalk. And as she tried to figure out how she's going to get around them, uh, they stopped, and she stopped, and the, the young man in the middle asked her if she was a pastor. She said yes. And he asked over the objection of his friends for a blessing. And they weren't objecting to a blessing, per se, but they just wanted to kind of move on. They didn't really want to deal with Mary, and they didn't want to, her, their friend to interrupt her. But she said, hold on, I'll do the blessing. And so laying 
hands on his head there on the street. She pronounced God's blessing on him. But before they can go anywhere, she said, now, I want you to bless me. And this took a little time to sink in, and Mary had to repeat it. A gentleman's name was Andre, and she had to repeat it to him, saying, I want you to bless me. And so Andre agreed. And there, in the middle of Atlanta, on the sidewalk, the heart of the city, Andre lays on hands on her head and pronounced God's blessing on Mary. And then they hugged and went on their way. A year later, Mary was walking on the streets, and around the corner came a young man. He walked right up to her with a big smile on his face and said, Do you remember me? And she knew exactly who, she was, who he was. And she smiled back and said, Yes, I remember you. You gave me a blessing. And then they hugged, and they talked a while longer, honoring this connection that they had, a godly connection rather than a relationship based on power and manipulation. It's a connection based on mutual respect and equality. It was based on recognizing the spark of divinity within each other. And through this relationship, as brief as this encounter might have been, there was real healing and change in there. My guess is that if Andre ever needed help, Mary would be happy to do it. But the difference is, if, if Mary ever needed help, I would be willing to bet that Andre would go the distance to make sure that she got the help she needed. And the difference would be that the assistance on either side would not be about power and manipulation. It would be about two people who care about each other, who are connected with one another through Jesus Christ, and would assist each other out of genuine affection, without any games. We are all indeed called to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick. But when we divorce this passage from the rest of the gospel, we miss the real point, which is that we are to connect and seek the divine spark within one another. We are, this opens up all sorts of possibilities for us when we engage the world in this way, when we engage the work of God seeking God in one another. Earlier today, we, uh, at the 9 o'clock service, we did the Rite 13 liturgy. And at that liturgy, we renewed our baptismal vows, a baptismal covenant. And in the covenant, we promise to serve Christ and our neighbors and to respect the dignity of every human being. And we've all said this covenant before. And underlying what we say is that when we do these things, we move away from the conventional power structures. That we seek to find God in one another, to find value in each other, and allow ourselves to be shaped in whole new ways. This is the life that we are invited to by Jesus Christ. This is the life that our community is invited to participate. And it's tough because there are a lot of people out there who are still playing by the old rules of engagement. And that's why we come together as a community and continue to seek God's support and continue to support one another. But when we participate in right relationship, 
with the wider world. We honor our baptismal covenant. And we affirm this gospel. And we find ourselves inching ever closer to the kingdom of God.